Hi, so today I want to talk about the mother wound. It's kind of a delicate topic, but as I said in the trailer, no topic is off limits. I want to share with you my own journey with the mother wound. As an African daughter, it's been a very complicated journey. I think for every daughter it is, but in a context where there's a lot of taboo and shame and where um, you are supposed to obey your parents, you're supposed to glorify your parents, thank them for your life, it's really difficult to first admit to other people that you have a difficult relationship with your mother. But I believe that in recognizing our feelings, that's how we can create a way forward. So in that, I will share with you my journey with the mother wound. My mom had me after she she had lost a child of eight months of age. So my elder sister was eight months old when she died. And then afterwards, my mom had me and then she had my sister. So in a marriage that she didn't choose. So she, and she was forced into marriage at a very young age, 15, I think. So it was really a very kind of a sad circumstance. And, um, and she was under a lot of pressure. She didn't like that life, the life she was, her married life, she didn't like it. So she wanted to run away and then she was receiving a lot of threats to not run away and stuff. She finally ran away. And she left us. She left us with um, my sister and I, my sister. I was three and a half years old and my sister was six months old. And she left us with our great-grandmother. She went to a different part of Cameroon and found work. And then she sent money for our school fees for my great-grandmother, who was actually very old to take care of us, you know, to take care of all what we needed uh, physically and stuff. And then she would come and visit from time to time. This to say that, we were abandoned several times, so we we changed caregivers a, quite a few times uh, when we were growing up, and the circumstances were not very happy or safe for a child um, with a lot of trauma. So at one point, our mom decided to bring us to Switzerland to come and live with her. She had managed to leave the country, and she had uh, married a white man, and now she wanted us to come. So we came, and then, but the reunion was not all that smooth. So one thing I didn't say is that I loved my mom when I was growing up. I was waiting for her to come and get me. I couldn't wait for her to take me and for me to live with her. I waited and waited and waited. But just when she came, I wouldn't say it was too late, but it was too late in that we had been through so much abuse that I was totally disillusioned. I didn't believe in anything or anyone or that any good could come. So what I wanted actually was to stay in Cameroon when she wanted us to emigrate. I told her, you rent a room, you put me in there, you pay my school fees, I'm good in school, I will manage myself and I will go to school. Don't worry about me, I can raise myself. Of course, she didn't accept. So when I came to Switzerland, I was very angry. I was very, very angry, really, really angry. And we were still in a situation. It was not easy. Where it was really some bad situation we actually got into. And um, so through all of this, 
I managed to calm my anger as a teenager, but inside I was still very angry, but I wouldn't show it because all my family was like, oh, you're so lucky, your mom saved you, your mom brought you to Europe, you should be thankful to her. So I was feeling bad, I was feeling like, oh my God, I have these conflicting feelings, these feelings of of um, resentment towards my mother, and then everyone expects me to thank her. So I put on a facade, I decided to to pretend that I was okay when inside I was just like angry, crushed, confused and stuff. Especially that for many years we didn't like, we didn't discuss what happened to us, why she left us. It was like, it it, it was never a topic. So yeah, so it went on like that. And, um, but sometimes like when little things would happen, I would get so angry at her. If she said, uh, after I, like I passed my university, I'm, I'm proud of you. I would get so angry and tell her, you cannot be proud of me. You don't know me. You don't know how I how I grew up. You don't know why I studied so hard. You don't know me. I, like, I would get so angry. And it was really, she never understood it. And actually it was because I was hiding my anger, hiding my pain. So really, really, really fast, fast, fast forward. So when I was pregnant with my third child, my mother came to live with me. Um, I had moved to Canada, so she she first she moved to Cameroon. Then it didn't go as she planned, so this, she decided to come and spend some time with me and the kids. So we were all very happy, but for me it was very triggering. So I was pregnant again. Um, I was pregnant, and then my mom was there. So all that mother wound, abandonment, everything was just so mixed up with the hormones. It was just really difficult very difficult. So I was super angry. The hormones were not helping. And uh, like for little incidents we had, we would like quarrel so much. And during that year, I didn't spare her. Like up until then, I was like the peace keeper of the family. I was like trying to take care of everybody's emotions except mine. And um, that year, things changed for me. It changed. Everything changed in that I sat my mother down I did not let that African, you have to respect your your parent. You cannot tell them the truth or whatever. You have to protect them or whatever. No, I felt that I was not protected as a child. I don't see why I should always be protecting others in childhood, in adulthood, all the time. So sometimes I was crying. Sometimes I was just like explaining. But I told her like the details of my day-to-day, the different types of abuse. Like I told her how when I had my period, how it happened, all of those things, you know. And uh, even though she cried, sometimes she it felt as if she couldn't really take it anymore. How could this happen and stuff? I told her, you know, um, I know it's hard for you, but I need you to hear it. You have to hear it. You have to hear it. I'm taking back my place as a child, as the child. I cannot be keep being everybody's mom and taking care of everybody. This is not good for me. I cannot be that person. I don't want to be that person anymore. And so um so I I told her everything. We locked we watched a lot of uh, Ian Lavansan, um a lot of Oprah, you know, just understanding family dynamics and things and how how come she never came for us. Like we were just really trying to understand together. Um, I was angry, but this time I was not hiding it and stuff. So 
But I think in telling her all of that, it's that the little girl in me, up until that point, the little girl in me still wanted her mom to see her. I've been waiting for that, for that look of, oh, my daughter, I understand you. I see you and I love you. And I know my mother loves me. It's just that, you know, priorities. She didn't grow up with her own parents. So there are things she didn't see as valuable. And then today she regrets them. But um, yeah, but I, I just felt like we had to break that generational uh, generational burden, right? That she's carried and then I was carrying and then uh, maybe I would transmit it to my children what I didn't really want. So I uh, I decided that we had to talk about it, you know. Yes, it's not in our culture, but if, you know, the culture... My friend Candace always says the culture has to be for the people. The minute the culture is not for the people, we have to question it. So in this case, um, I just feel like some things in our culture have to be questioned, you know. Um, I'm not the only child that was left behind or left with relatives and with no one really taking care. So that's something we have to question, you know. What's the base of that? Is it serving us as a people to to abandon children? I would say no, because it causes a lot of um, problems. Um, when children um, in the village used to tell me that my, my mom abandoned me, where are my parents? It hurt me so much that I walked in the forest. I preferred to go in the forest and walk than some days to even play with my friends because... I didn't want them to taunt me with that, with something that was already so painful to me. So these are wounds that we carry with us. These wounds, they are the, the, the basis of low self-worth, low self-esteem. When it's difficult for a child, when you're beaten by a caregiver, you know, you're, you're hungry, you cannot, you cannot show any emotion because the slightest emotion you show, you get a beating. It's difficult to 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 feel like we belong, you know. We belong to a family, a community, a country. It's really, really difficult. So, so yeah. So to I uh, I went to many clubhouse rooms, um, discussions um, involving uh, African women, and I was surprised to realize that many, many, many women, many African women have a difficult relationship with their parents, with their mothers in particular, in those rooms that I went into. And uh, some could manage to, like, speak to their parents and uh, kind of update their parents' uh, view of them, of the of the daughters. And some were still struggling, like, struggling to how to forgive the parent, how to make their mothers accept, how to make their mothers see them. It was like sometimes so heartbreaking. And I was in that position for the longest time until I was pregnant with my third daughter. You can imagine. I was still waiting, hoping that my mother would see me. Um, in therapy, we've defined a few different me's. There's the Miriam survivor who's, who, who punches at life's adversities, who who fights it out, who, who is always pushing forward and trying her best. And uh, there's um, 
Miriam, the funny Miriam who um, keep things light by making jokes <laughs> um, so that people wouldn't come close and see her traumas and stuff. And there's what? There's the the angry Miriam who is fed up that life. Life's been throwing so many lemons at her. There's uh, the melancholic Miriam who um, who sometimes get lost in her childhood, in her in her ancestors, in her village, in her in what she lived in the past. It's uh, it's something that clings to my soul. I would say, what other Miriam? They will, um, what other Miriam? The angry Miriam. I don't know. I don't remember. But a few of them, though. I think like seven of them, like seven different parts of my personality. We we uh, we we came up with also the um, Miriam, the empath, the kind Miriam, the smart Miriam. I'm lost with all my Miriams there, as you can see. But all that to say that my mother, the the Miriam she saw. The Miriam she loved the best was the survivor Miriam. The Miriam who punched that life, who had degrees, who had jobs and stuff. She loved, loved that Miriam. That Miriam reassured her that um, she did a good job as a mother. She did what she could and it, it came out good because look at my daughter. She she has a master degree. She works in this place. She works there. She's done this. She's done that. So she really, really... That Miriam is very reassuring to my mother. And um, the funny Miriam too. The funny Miriam uh, uh, also connects well. I connect well to my mother on, on jokes. She's, she's funny. And I think the sad part to say is that um, in my mother's case, it was not like active abuse. It was really like neglect, like total neglect. Um, yeah, and it has its its consequences. And ah, uh, oh man, it's not an easy topic. But um, when I finally discovered that I am the one I was waiting for, this was so painful to accept, because the baby Miriam, the small Miriam, yeah, one of the Miriams we we identified with my therapist is the the little Miriam who is still waiting for her mom to love her. You know, I think that was the first one I said, which was really surprising to me. But anyways, so until my mom came to live to spend that year with me, I was still in, I was still that little baby Miriam waiting for her mom to scoop her up and, and you know, hold her against her breast and say, it will be okay, my baby, you are fine and I love you. You know, I was still that baby Miriam, but I came to understand that. Me and my mom, we are two different people. We were shaped by different circumstances. We don't even exactly have the same values because she didn't transmit her values to me. And that actually, I am the one I was waiting for. I am the person who is going to scoop myself up and give myself that hug and put myself against my chest and reassure myself that I will be okay. It's so, so painful. As I used to tell a friend when we discussed this, I would have preferred that this was someone else's life. I would have preferred to empathize with another friend and say, oh my goodness, so you realized that you had to save yourself, you know, but no, it was my life. I realized that I had to save myself. 
because I knew what I needed, but my mom was not ready to give it to me. And even if she was not, she was ready, I, I, I was not ready to accept it. So the only person who, who would give me what I needed was me doing like reparenting work, working on my self-esteem, accepting myself, accepting that I have value and my value doesn't depend on anything external, no accolades, degrees, jobs, and that my value is just being born. I was born with value like any other human being and that the circumstances of my birth or whatever happens doesn't define the life I can live starting from today when I decide to take the step to here. So yeah, that wasn't easy. That wasn't, but it was a big shift for me because I started seeing my mother as a human being. So I, I had chats where I just like let her tell me her stories, her, you know, like tell me different things about herself that made me like see her really how she struggled, how she was also very lost. She didn't have anyone to, to coach her or tell her how to do things. And uh, it was really difficult for her. And she really tried her best. She was the eldest of nine children. And she was like working, earning money and taking care of all her siblings, you know, trying to pay their school fees, get them into a business and everything. So even though... um we suffered from all of this. I had to like, yeah, see myself as having value despite that and um, doing the work on myself to to accept that that's my story and uh, um, to build a different relationship with my mother um, and to take it at the pace that is comfortable to me because um, I always kept like, pretending I was the good daughter when I was feeling hurt inside. So now, um, at first, after my mom left uh, Toronto and went back to Switzerland, at first I did not really want to speak to her. So I took my time, you know, I took my time. I would call like seldomly or like very rarely because other things happened. Maybe I'm, I would touch on that on, diff- on a different episode that made me really take my time with the with the relationship with my mom but I took my time and uh, now things are better I call her from time to time we joke a little bit we chat and uh, and that's it you know I um I I don't force it I uh I maintain it because I I think she genuinely wants to 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 have a relationship with me but I don't I don't guilt trip myself because I'm not this perfect daughter. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I've 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 quit that role of caretaking, that compulsive caretaking that I had to make sure everyone was okay. No, that's not my role anymore. I'm a mom of three. Um, I have my husband, but my main responsibility um, response my main responsibility is towards my three kids. So yeah. And for the rest, um, I do what I can and I accept that, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's what I would say. Um, I think speaking one's truth, saying how, how we feel is important. It's so important. It's really important. I know that it's not always um, well received. I know that it's not always even possible to dialogue with, um, um, with some moms, you know. Um, but 
we should keep trying. And when it's too hard, we we put up the right boundaries to protect ourselves. That's uh, just like respecting our emotions, where we are at, what we can handle. That's that's how it goes, you know. If if right now you cannot handle it, um, maybe you need to put a barrier, a boundary, and uh, take time to heal yourself, to take time to figure things out. And then when you think you can handle things better, maybe you can reach out a little bit. If it's still not that well, you know, you still give it some time. And um, if it's really, really, really harming you, maybe you can take really a long time, you know. So, yeah, that's... um, But when I realized that I was the one to do the work, like it shifted my mind from victim mentality to to, um, someone who has agency, who has the power to change her life. So it's also one of the reasons why I created this podcast because when I was in victim mentality, I just want I wanted everyone to empathize with me, and then now I just like want to share so that maybe other people can see things uh, differently. Other women like me can try to see things differently and feel less alone because I know in our culture this mother wound thing is really, really, really. <laughs> filled with shame, taboo, and guilt. You know, everybody is ready to guilt you. How can, you don't speak to your mother. It's like really like the worst thing ever. But, you know, we have to be able to talk about these things. It's not taboo. Um, we have to, I mean, we, we we have to be able to say that we don't get along with our mother, you know. and uh, And yeah. You know, even if we don't want to say it, like just admitting to ourselves that actually this relationship is difficult for me, you know, it puts pressure on me or whatever. So, yeah, accepting the feeling and then working through it. That's what I would say. Thank you and bye for now.